Marina Scorciani. I'm at Lottie's, and you're listening to Meet Us at Molly's, and I'm excited about today's show because it's going to rock. going to be all sunshine and roses, but I can promise it's going to be a hell of a ride. Hey, Shyhards, Welcome to episode 149 of Meet Us at Molly's. So we're deviating from the norm yet again this week because we can, and it's like day 8,000 of quarantine. And because you guys asked for it. You guys asked for it. Oh, and we're so glad you did. Okay, so we are covering One Tree Hill tonight. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. Okay, we're covering an episode of One Tree Hill. It is season four, episode nine, entitled Some You Give Away. This is the state championship episode, you guys. Oh, I'm so excited. Uh, this is, we like always wanted to cover One Tree Hill, but we like, it, it, it's one of those things where in the back of our minds, we had to be like, we are a One Chicago podcast. We can't cover One Tree Hill. But now quarantine happened, so all the rules go out the window. <laughs> they do. They do. Rules go out the window. We don't know how much longer hiatus is going to last. And so we're just kind of like, sure, yeah, let's cover One Tree Hill. Because one of our listeners had the idea and we were just like, oh, okay. Well, then we were like, is this something you guys would want? And then it was like, yes, 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 yes. And our DMs, it was like, yes, Finley, you should do this. And I was, we were like, I guess people want it. Okay. Cool. I just like, I want to do like a Brooke Davis style squeal right now and just be like, Ding! Like, however she does it, I'm just like, yay. I'm excited. Gina, are you going to be able to control your feels tonight? Because, like, this is your show. This is, like, your your thing. I, I'm not promising anything. I, yeah, <laughs> I can't promise anything. I might laugh. I might cry. I might yell. Who the hell knows? Like, who, who knows? Who knows? But at least we have wine. Oh, we have wine. Yes. I contemplated changing into my Tree Hill shirt to like show up on camera. And then I was like, no, that's too much work. I don't know where that thing is. So I'm excited. Yeah. Now, before we get into the episode, we do have some news and we have someone Chicago news, which is good. Yeah. Like actual legit news, which I think is like confirmable news, too. Is confirmable a word? I just made it a word. Confirmed? That. Sure. Okay. So this website, realchicago.com, they put this article out last week and said that One Chicago is set to return to production in September. And nobody really confirmed it. It was just that one website. So sources are telling Real Chicago that Chicago PD will return the second week of August with a scheduled shoot date of September 22nd. Now, what we've heard is that a few Chicago PD production personnel have begun to prep for COVID regulations, and Med and Fire are also said to schedule or follow the same schedule. Now, uh, I did a little digging, and the the PD the PD bit is true that there are some people arriving in Chicago right now to begin COVID regulations and all of that good stuff. But all of this is, you know, just like everything in quarantine, completely up in the air. So, yeah, I don't yeah. even know what this real Chicago website is, but I'll take the news. Yeah. I don't even care. I'll take it. It sounds for some reason this time around, it sounds like they're really serious. It sounds like they're really going to try hard for September. 
Do you know, I haven't even looked, do you know what the COVID cases are like in Chicago? You know, like I rate? haven't looked. No, I haven't looked. Um, I, I've been meaning to, um, but no, I haven't had the chance. I don't think they're as much of a hotbed as, as my area. Yeah, but so I'm just hopeful that because they shoot in Chicago, we can actually like get this off the ground in September, but we'll see. Big time, big time. I've just, I mean, it's been months now where I'm just like, how, how is everybody handling this? Like, not the actors, the characters. Well, and I wonder too, so you know how obviously like Chicago Wednesdays are still on the schedule for the fall. So mm-hmm. I guess that means they're just going to keep airing reruns. I guess like, so. Like if they don't have new episodes to air, they're going to just keep airing reruns. And then like, also something I've been thinking about, does that mean that like if they start at the end of September, like, will we get a new episode? Like, is that enough time to turn around any episodes before, like, Christmas? Or at this point, is it, like, probably January? I would think it's probably January. That's my guess. But then, like, I just have so many questions. It's like, but then what happens if they start for, like, and get, like, an episode or two in and then have to stop again? Then they have like, to stop again. again. Yeah, then right. they have to stop it's again. Like, you, season eight is two episodes. You know, <laughs> it's, like, one of those things where it's, like, oh... Just like all these things as the reports start to sound more serious that I'm like, okay, but what happens if this and how does this work and how does this happen? Like all the questions I'm starting to think about. And uh, what we're seeing from these sports teams that are down in like the mysterious bubble, who chose Florida, by the way, for all these sports? I don't know, but I think it's just because Disney has like space because for the NBA, I know it was either between Orlando and Vegas. So all we're seeing, if we're learning anything from the sports teams that are getting back up and running, is that all it takes is one case. One case and the whole thing falls apart. But I think also what you learn, too, from some of them, some of them, is that, like, if you're taking it seriously, like, it can work. Mm -hmm. Like, the NBA now has gone, I think, two weeks, maybe even, like, two and a half weeks without a new case in their bubble without a new positive case in their bubble. Yeah. So, like, it can work if you actually, like, take it seriously and wear your masks when you're supposed to and, like, do social distancing and all the things. Like, it can work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really can. I mean, really we'll see can. what happens now that they're playing games, but, like, so far, so good. The NWSL has had some luck with that as well. They've been up and running. That's the Women's Soccer League, and they've had zero positives. Right. And like, I think hockey too, now that hockey's going to be, they're having two bubbles, which I think may even work even better because obviously smaller group sizes. Um, but like, hopefully that'll work too. It's just baseball being fucking stupid well, and not being like, we're going to go without a bubble. And it's like, oh, you guys are idiots. You guys are idiots. Yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah. And I just, I, you know, and, and we've wondered this for the past couple of episodes we've done. We're like, what is it going to look like? You know, are we going to get the normal scenes with our ships? What are we like? How is how are things going to work? Well, and like even just in the case of like all these shows, like they're all very hands on sh- like shows. Like, you know, like it's a medical show. So like doctors are touching patients, like firefighters are rescuing people. PD is tackling people like it's all very hands-on like it's a lot of touching other people and so like how do you do all of those things when you're not really supposed to touch other people I know um I don't know it'll be interesting it it sounds like they're really serious about this one that they're really trying for September but you know just 
be flexible, just like everything else in quarantine. Hopefully this is real, though, I, you know, and hopefully they can get back to work safely and comfortably. I don't know. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's really all we really want is for, like, everything to come back, but, like, safely. And, like, if it means they can't return safely, then, like, I don't want it. As much as I do want it, like, I don't want it if it can't happen safely. If it can't happen safely, then we all need to up our fan fiction game. Seriously, though. Or, like, fan videos. Like, anything. Yeah. I'm desperate. We all need to up our creative game if that happens. We're going to have to up our creative game. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. So that's the first bit of news we have. The second bit of news is an interesting article from Forbes um, talking about TV shows handling the Black Lives Matter crisis that happened a couple months ago and the coronavirus crisis and just kind of talking about how Dick Wolf is considering reimagining his shows. Bryna, will you take us through this? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't, like, a ton of, I'd say, new information or, like, points and arguments we hadn't heard before, but it was really interesting because it was solely focused on Dick Wolf, and, like, the article even talks about how, like, aside from Dick Wolf's tweet um, after he fired one of his writers from one of the law, it's a new Law and Order show, It was right? uh, Chris Maloney's that- reboot, yeah. Right. Um, about how, like, he, well, Dick Wolf only tweeted, you know, I will not tolerate this conduct, especially in the hour of our national grief. Like, that's the only thing Wolf has said. So the fact that, like, Wolf talks a lot in this article is really interesting, but it's still not that much new. Um, there were just a couple things I thought were interesting. Um, one of the comparisons that a California-based progressive civil rights advocacy group called Color of Change um made between like or call talking about how like cop shows are basically a PR machine for the police and like they made a really interesting comparison between like medical shows and cop shows and he the, the guy from the organization said if a medical show is giving us inaccurate information like let's say Grey's Anatomy gave inaccurate information about HIV or cancer like we would say it's dangerous and he's like that's one of the big problems with these crime shows and I just thought that was an interesting way to look at it because I hadn't really thought about that before or it from that angle mm-hmm. but like it's kind of true yeah. Like, you know, if I were sitting here being like, oh, Grey's Anatomy told me the wrong thing about HIV, I'd be like, I'd be upset about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and we don't talk about it like that with cop shows. We don't. And I I felt that way big time, you know, back in June when we were all talking about, you know, Black Lives Matter and the conversation about race became, you know, mainstream forefront. I mean, yeah, I, I just kind of had a moment where I was like, wait a second. So everything we learned in school was wrong. And all of this time, television has been painting a false narrative. Yeah. I mean, we talk, we've talked about that before, too. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah, it's. Yeah, it's just ugh, makes me mad. I was a little uh, bit embarrassed for myself, too, because I was like, I should have known better than to go off TV and been like, yeah, they're telling me the complete truth. Yeah, I am too. I think it's just also, you know, kind of like what we've talked about too. Like, I just didn't know any better. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like I didn't, you know, like I didn't, unfortunately, up until a certain point, like start surrounding my people, you know, people of different backgrounds and experiences. And like, 
I like I've t- I think we've had this conversation on the podcast even too about how like you know going to college in like a city compared to my like small mostly white conservative town like that was like a really big deal for me mm-hmm. and like opened my eyes up to a bunch of different things and so yeah, yeah. but yeah um Wolf talked a lot about too in this article about how like he's not necessarily going to apologize for the, all the programs he's created, but he's not being complacent either. Like taking a lot of action. And he said, you know, told Forbes that he has now has 18 writers of color across the shows and hopes to do more. He says half of the writers on law and order organized crime will be people of color and quote, we will expand those numbers as we find writers to fill those slots. And then he also talks about how, um, years he's done years of behind the scenes work to help create film and tv opportunities for disadvantaged kids on the west and south sides of chicago so like yes dick wolf has created these shows and these shows exist but like he is doing he's not just sitting down and being like ha, it doesn't matter i created these shows and they're not going anywhere so fuck all of you you know he's actually like doing action he's not just you know saying things we want to hear I'm glad he's recognizing that there's room for improvement because 18 writers of color is across what? One, two, three, four, five, six shows? At least, yeah. That's not very many. Right, that's like th- three per three show. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, but, yeah. And then the last thing, which I just thought was kind of interesting, the way they kind of just like threw this in here, it's like basically at the end of like the last big paragraph of the article, it says, Wolf Entertainment, which issued statements in support of Black Lives Matter during the crisis, has a longtime head of post-production and executive producer on its shows, Arthur Forty, who is black. And, like, that's kind of the way they end a paragraph. And I was just like, I mean, I think that's an interesting and important tidbit. But, like, the way they kind of just threw that in there, I was like, okay. How did that make it through editing? Well, it talks about, so the whole paragraph's about how, like, um, Dick Wolf notes that his series have long portrayed people of color and women in positions of power and how like on one of his early police dramas they had a black showrunner and so and then it like ends with that sentence and I was like okay and then like the last the literal last sentence of the article is it's a quote from Dick Wolf and it says you can look at the entire Wolf library and not find an episode that has been on the wrong side of history you can look through the whole dick library and not find an episode on the wrong. Th- oh, I that's that's a bold statement to make, though, isn't it? I think so. So I thought the the way this ended a little was a little weird, but I do think it is interesting that like Arthur is black because I definitely no offense to anybody, I did not picture him as a black man. I yeah. So Arthur is. Um... The, the man that Patty so affectionately refers to as the butcher of Burbank. He's the editor who um, cuts all those really important shippy scenes where we're like, why didn't this get in? Yeah, because Patty says he doesn't really tend to skew towards like comedy and like that kind of stuff. Rude. Yeah, I know. But anyway. <laughs> so, so it's an interesting article. And like the fact that it came from like, you know, the Forbes business section. I just, you know, I thought it was interesting. Yeah. It's just, I'm. it's like a long running thing I'm dying to know now is what are these shows going to look like when they come back? I just can't believe how much the world has changed from the season finale to whenever the premiere happens again. I know. It's like almost weird too, because 
even when they is for example they do start filming in september and we don't see it till january like that's three months in between like a lot of the world's gonna have changed too in that three months yeah i'm assuming Mm -hmm. because we'll have it had a new president elected hopefully (laughs) but you know what i'm saying like not drunk enough for this conversation But, like, even in those three months from when they start filming to, like, mm-hmm. when those episodes will air, like, the world will have changed even tenfold. Yeah. So, it's just crazy. Yeah. Uh, crazy is an understatement. Just, yeah. So, that's about all we've got for the news. Um, you know, as always, you guys keep us updated. We really appreciate it. Send us news however when you see it. We really do find it very helpful. I mean, both of us are just trying to, like, keep our heads on straight during quarantine. So, any help we get with yeah. this is always great. Well, yeah, and like we, I wouldn't have, we wouldn't have even, I wouldn't have seen this Forbes article if it wasn't like somebody, D or you know, mentioning, uh, mentioning us in the same tweet on Twitter. So like, thank you guys, thank you, big time, yes. So, um, given what we're covering tonight, I think we can add another thing in as news. Did you see the video? That Hillary Burton, Sophia Bush, and Joy Lenz posted on social media this week. I did see it. How many times have you watched it? Twice. That's it? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's relevant to what we're talking about tonight. I mean. It is. No, it really is. But yeah, I only watched it twice. So. How many times did you watch it is the more important question. Twice? Times like a lot? listen okay so you guys know we're covering one tree hill tonight and i'm like over the moon everybody in their lives has like that one show right like just that one show that has just like impacted your life and stayed with you forever for bryna it's glee for my friend melanie it's house for our friend tamar 90210 everybody has that one show that's just completely impacted their life and just stuck with them forever one tree hill is that show for me so i'm just like bursting at the seams with feelings but this week the ladies of one tree hill hillary burton sophia bush joy lens they they got together and they posted a video for register a friend day and they posted a video in character as peyton and brooke and Haley. and when i tell you i've watched this thing like a bajillion times it's it's the one tree hill reboot i need okay <laughs> like i need it in my life I will say I was like slightly confused at first when Joy is sitting there talking about how like well she's like working on music and she's like yelling at her kids for like stop writing on the wall and I was like and Jamie goes her sister I was just like wait what and then it like clicked for me and I was like oh this is cool um but yeah it was fun to watch just perfect perfect I just (sighs) dreamy sigh um Speaking of registering to vote, are you? Re- I'm assuming you're registered to vote. I didn't feel like I needed to ask anyone in our group text, but like I'm assuming you're registered to vote. Well, it's funny you bring that up because I am registered. However, when I moved about a month ago now, I switched counties. So I'm registered in the county I was in. I'm not registered in my new county yet, which I need to take care of. Okay. Are you registered to it. vote? Of course I'm registered to vote. Are you? But okay, but you changed counties too. Is that how it works in Virginia? No, so I always just voted absentee. Okay. So I've always voted and I've been registered in the same place that I'm at now. Mm-hmm. So it's important, guys. Like, especially like the first four years I was in college. So you just like, oh, yeah, I'm in college, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but yeah, so I've always been registered to vote. Yeah, I need I need to register in my new county because um, we all know that Gina's in a very, very red state. And I think my vote is going to matter a little bit more in the new county that I'm in. Is that too much information? I hope it's not too much information. No, I think it's fine. Okay. Okay. It's important. Make your voice heard. Rise up. Let's go. And if you have questions about this kind of stuff, I know that some of our listeners are actually really young. And for some of you, this might be your first election voting. That's okay. If you have questions, ask us. We can, you know, we can we can help you through as best as we can about registering to vote, voting on the day. You know, we can share our experiences. Again, this isn't just a pod where we're like, we talk to you and that is that. No, it's a family. It's a conversation. So if you want to talk about these things or you have questions for us, please ask, because that's the only way that we're all going to learn. Right. So, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. Um, I posted some information on my Insta story the other day about mail-in voting, and I'll have to post it from the podcast account. Uh, mail-in voting is completely okay. It is completely acceptable and permissible. You just have to be aware of your state deadlines. So in my state, in Texas, uh, you know, we all have our general election of November 3rd. That's countrywide. However, the deadline in Texas for mail-in voting is, I think, October 23rd. So mail-in voting, again, is completely okay. You just have to be aware of certain state deadlines. So important information. I'm glad you brought that up because... So, okay, moving into the episode. Are we ready? Are you ready is the real question. Yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. Let's do it. Okay, so state championship episode. You guys, this might be like a very kind of scatterbrained conversation on my part, really, because I've just got like years of memories and stories and like tidbits piled up in here. Well, and I feel like I want, like, you know, we're only doing one episode, but Winter Hill lasted nine seasons, and I feel like we're going to have to talk about, like, a bunch of different things, so, like, it may just be, you know, a bunch of random things, but, like, based off this one episode, so. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. So, so (laughs) this episode aired in November of 2006, meaning that this episode is almost 14 years old. I can't even fathom that. (laughs) How old? Wait. If I was 11, you had to have been 19? Yes. Almost 20? Yes. Okay. Yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, very different stages of our lives. Extremely. This show, it's so... Know. What were you doing Did in 2006? Did I know that show existed? Did I know that show existed? Well, what I were you doing in 2006? Know. I was in sixth grade. Oh, God. <laughs> I was in sixth grade. Um, yeah. I wasn't watching. I mean, like, I, we were all still watching. Like, my friends and I, we were still watching, like, Disney Channel. So, like, I don't even think I knew Winter Hill really existed. Maybe. I mean, like, besides in, like, what I read in magazines, you know. So, if I was 19 about to turn 20, I was in my sophomore year of college. Yes. Yeah. That's hilarious. And I was in the sixth grade. It's so funny with One Tree Hill because I always look at it and I love when I can look at shows that I've pretty much just like grown up with throughout my life. And so with One Tree Hill, that show premiered when I was in the 11th grade and it ended when I was one year out of grad school. What year did it end again? 2012. Yeah, okay. Because I knew it ended enough for me to put 
Nathan's famous quote from the last episode in my as my senior quote, mm-hmm. but I couldn't remember if it was 2011 or 2012. It feels like a lifetime ago. Crazy. It's so crazy. And I remember watching this episode, too, um, and just being completely shocked at, like, what had just happened. But, like, this episode is just complete. This is, like, One Tree Hill in a perfectly wrapped box with a nice, clean little bow. Yeah, but it kind of also has, like, the element of batshit crazy storylines, too. Yeah. So, like... I mean, the whole Dante stuff that we'll get to, but it's just like, what? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I will say this, though, almost 14 years later, and this episode still, like, gives me butterflies. Like, knowing I had to watch it this week, I was like, oh, like, <laughs> I have that feeling in the pit of my stomach, like, oh, here come the feelings. There were definitely, like, I mean, there were definitely some moments where I was like, wow, like, I forgot this happened, or, like, there were definitely some, like, very good moments that I had forgotten about. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen this episode in a really long time. No, same, same. So um, I have been to Wilmington a ton of times, which is where they shot the show. Um, Brenna, you've never been to Wilmington, have you? No, not yet. We need to fix that. I know. I'm like, now that I'm in driving within driving distance, like hopefully maybe this fall. I don't know. We'll see. You have no excuses, but also don't go without me. I'll be sad. (laughs) <laughs> yeah i'll go see ashley without you but also i can't really leave my state right now because anywhere i go yeah, it's I gonna know. be like you have no to quarantine I, like even if i go this fall like i don't want you to come <laughs> fine you, you know what FaceTime i mean, me then. you know what i mean yeah out of no, love I, know, I don't want I you to come out of love <laughs> <laughs> i get it i'll cry later no i'm just kidding uh, this episode okay so where we are in this is season four which i think is like the best season of the show what do you think it's definitely up there. I think I'd personally argue I really like season three. Um, but like season three or four are like one A and one B to me. Like, yeah, that, that's like peak Wintry Hill is three and four. Yeah. Season three and four are like, per- like, I know they're not perfect. Like, they're really not perfect. They have some like crazy, crazy storylines. But like, they're great seasons if you're just like a huge fan. Like, I love season three and four. Three and four are obviously the top. You know what season is criminally underrated is six. Six does not get the respect that it deserves. I thought six was pretty good. The season six finale is like one of the best episodes of that show. Yeah, I thought season six was pretty good. I think six is better than five. Hands down. Five's not spectacular, but, you know, we get through five. Fine. Five's fine. I think five... What I do like about what they did between four and five was, like, I do actually like the time jump. Like, mm-hmm. I'm glad they didn't make us sit through, like, Winter Hill to college years because, like, that just, I don't think, like, would have worked. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I do appreciate the time jump and then they could actually, like, be their age and, you know, like, we were all moved on. Like, I did like that they did that. But I wonder yeah, if we wouldn't have hated season five so much if, okay, but there's two variables with season five, right? So... Lucas and Lindsay are happening, first off. And then second off, Nathan and Haley are at each other's throats. Ugh, that's one, yeah. really the reason I hate season five. And, like, Nanny Carrie, a.k.a. Tori DeVito, and, like, I just hate season five. Once Nathan and Haley get back on track, I'm, like, cool. Which is why I like season six, because they're happy for basically all of season six. Yeah, and, and five, it's like, we just jumped four years together, but what are you talking about? Everybody's lives are in shambles. I didn't sign up for this. Go back to four years ago. 
Yeah, and like long-haired Nathan, no thank you. No thank you. Yeah. Not no 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 no, no. not a good look. Not a good not, look. Not a good look. No, no. Yeah, six is good. Nine is actually really good. Nine was entertaining as hell. I've literally only ever seen nine like one time in my life. I thought nine was good because it they finally had a direction for it. I feel like during seven and eight, they were just kind of out there floating. Like, we don't really know what to do. But I can't take nine seriously because Nathan gets kidnapped and there's this whole thing. And like, I get it that like, James probably didn't really want to be on the show anymore, but, like, it was the last season, so they kind of found a way to, like, keep Nathan around, but not really. And it was just, like, oh, I I, I can't see on that storyline. We had this conversation with our group chat earlier this week about One Tree Hill and how ridiculous it got towards the end. Because let's be real, guys, that it got ridiculous towards the end. I always say that One Tree Hill jumped the shark not once, but twice. And I say this out of love. Don't throw things at your phone right now. Like throwing these, don't, don't throw things at Spotify or whatever's playing this podcast. Like I, I say it out of love. I think this show jumped the shark twice to the point that when we got to season nine and Clay had a forgotten son and Nathan got kidnapped oh, yeah. in like Eastern Europe, it was totally believable. Yeah, but like I think it gets to the point where that just becomes part of the show's DNA, right? Like, and so if you can accept that, then, like, you're fine. Kind of like Glee. Like, Glee jumped, jumped the shark, like, ten bajillion times. But, like, I didn't really give up on it till the end, but that was for, like, different reasons. Not because they jumped the shark. Because if, if I gave up when they jumped the shark, I would have been gone after, like, season one. <laughs> Maybe even, like, after the first 13. But, like, yeah. So, to but, me... Like, I think you could just accept it. So, yeah, it's fine. Okay, so I'm, I'm going to let you guess when, when I think One Tree Hill jumped the shark. Well, you just said, oh, wait, no. You said you were okay with Clay. I mean, not really, but you know what I mean. Um, I'm trying to remember what you said in the group chat. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't remember. There's a dog involved. Oh, yeah, when, Dan, when the dog ate Dan's heart. We all agree, right? Like, we uh, come on. So It's like, I mean, but it's one of those moments that that's, like, iconic in television history. Like... Nobody will ever forget that moment. Ever. No, no. I remember sitting there being like, did One Tree Hill just, do I, do I stop watching the show now? How do, what, what just happened? How do I handle this? <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine what watching that live was like. It, it was a trip. It was a trip. The other jump the shark moment I consider is, is something that like you guys can rage at me for. There's an episode, I think in, it's either seven or eight when Haley, Quinn and Brooke dress up as superheroes. Oh, yeah. And they go around the town. Yeah. yeah, they go around the town pretty much like solving crime. And it's it's not it's not good. What I don't understand though is why that of all the things is what made you jump the shark. Like you thought the show jumped the shark with. I just why was is like that moment. Because I was just like sitting there and I was like, this is not no, I, I don't I don't need to see this. This is completely unrealistic. Like there's a lot of things that are unrealistic about One Tree Hill. I get that, but yeah, that's what I was, that's why I was like, of all the things that really, I know, but I know, yeah, okay, but I don't know. Anyway. That just sticks out for me. I don't know why. I could be dead wrong. So you can send me hate tweets if you want to. I deserve it. So <sighs> okay. So at this point in season four, this is where we're at. So obviously, at the end of season three. Rachel and Hot Uncle Cooper were in the limo that went careening off the bridge after Naley's wedding. And it's such a good episode. I know. We um, were past Psycho Derek, 
So Lucas has saved Peyton from Psycho Derek in an, an awesome episode, by the way. But I'm going to say that a million times tonight. And Peyton has just told Lucas that she loves him. That was the last moment of the episode before this. So that's where we're Wait, at. Wait, Psycho Derek's before? I guess it is. Psycho Derek is season four, episode five. Jeez Louise. Okay. But I also have a ridiculous memory when it comes to One Tree Hill. So... And maybe I'm not the only one that can do this, but I can still recall certain songs and tell you exactly when they were played throughout the show and, you know, and be like, yeah, that episode was when this song was playing. And it's just it's yeah, I'm sure there's just I'm sure there's a bunch of One Tree Hill fans that could do that. I could not. I've not seen the show enough to do that, but I'm sure there's a bunch of One Tree Hill fans that could. I'm going to bring up music a lot of times tonight because there's a lot of there's a lot of good moments. Um, there was um, and what I was going to say about 405. I was going to say like, yeah, that's the psychoderic episode because that's the episode that ends with that yellow card song. <laughs> um, see? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So whatever. <laughs> yeah. So I could do this all night. OK, so it's the state championship episode. The Ravens have made it to the big game. It's going on. They're playing Pontiac. And they kind of execute a really good fake out here. So they start us off with this radio that's playing this bit. And it's just saying, you know, God, the Ravens are heartbroken. It's a horrible night in Tree Hill. And we're flashing back to these different moments. So like Whitey is standing in the street in in downtown Tree Hill, which I really just want to say downtown Wilmington. But, you know, he's standing there. Nathan's crying. Peyton's crying. Brooke's crying. It's just bad. So we come back to, you know, we flash back in time to before this and Lucas and Nathan are just like shooting around on the river court and Lucas is just like, fuck yeah, like we are going to win tomorrow. This is going to be awesome. First of all, looking at this 13 years later, I'm just like, it's borderline unhealthy how big of a game this was to them. But, like, I feel like that's with all high school sports, right? Like, you could look at, like, Friday Night Lights, for example. Like, every game in Friday Night Lights is like that. Yeah, that's true. Or, like, means that much to them. And, like, if you've ever watched, like, any of these, um, like, I'm thinking about Last Chance You, which I fucking love. Like, all these, like, docuseries that have to do around, like, high school or college athletics. Like, they all feel like that. Like, every game matters to them. It's just as important in or you know, in order for them to get to the pros eventually or yada 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 to get to college if it's a high school series, like it means that much to them. Like I don't feel like that's unrealistic. True. And maybe it's just because I, I I've never been the sporty type. Yeah. I mean I you know, I was never gonna be any good at anything sports wise, so like I didn't feel like that, but yeah. I yeah. can see why if you were if like you really thought you had like any kind of chance to like move on to another level, like why this means that much to you. Which, and that's, that's interesting too, because it dawned on me just rewatching it this time to prepare for this, that Lucas is mad at Nathan. Cause Nathan's like, we have to throw the game, but I mean, Luke is mad, not for himself. Cause he, this is his last game. And Luke knows that no matter what he's mad for Nathan for throwing away his future. And he's also mad because Nathan is essentially throwing away skills, his future too. Well, and like all the other guys who, I mean, like are essentially nameless, but you know, like all the other guys too, it's yeah. more about everyone else, not about himself. No, no, which, and I mean, Lucas, okay. Ugh, Lucas. Seasons one through four, Lucas, are just like, chef's kiss, like, freaking love you. 
Five through nine, Lucas, or five and six, Lucas. Yeah, Lucas was never my favorite character. But all I mean, but also even in seasons one through four, Lucas was not a saint. No. He definitely did some shitty things. Really shitty things. Which again, teenage me was like, Lucas. Adult me is like that motherfucker. Like <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. He's a jerk. <laughs> yeah. 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 I think my biggest problem with Lucas was how he treated Brooke. Yeah, I was having a conversation with um, somebody yesterday about, like, Lucas and Peyton and Brooke and whatever. I really couldn't, I really didn't like Lucas and Brooke. A, because I liked Lucas and Peyton a little bit more at the time. But also, too, like, I just didn't think that was a good, healthy relationship. I recognized that even in high school. I was like, that is not a thing. Yeah, there are there are a couple of, you know, Brucus, Brooke and Lucas. There are a couple of Brucus moments that I, like love 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 like deep within my soul love but when he calls her pretty girl uh, that's not even one of the top moments but it is pretty great um and i never mind i'm not gonna tell that story um (laughs) but yeah and you know where i was going to i Uh yeah so okay so there's one moment in the episode in season three when um peyton's mother dies and it's the rainy episode when like it's just raining and the power goes out and all that stuff. And so they have the moment where Brooke had read the letter to, from Lucas and realized that he had written that letter to Peyton. And so she was just super mad the entire episode. And they have that big argument in the rain that basically ends with Lucas being like, if you need to know why I love you, I can stand out here all night. That's like one of my favorite Brooke's moments. The other one is at the Naley wedding in the finale when... Uh, Brooke and Lucas just like hash it out about the kiss during the school shooting. Yeah. Yeah. I can quote that scene like verbatim. It's, it's just, mm. <laughs> mm. I forgave you for sleeping with Kiss Keller. Ugh. I could do the whole thing. I'm not going to though. Hmm. Oh, love it. You had such grace in that moment. Okay, I'm done. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and Lucas, just Lucas. Oh, God. I did ship Leighton, like, from the get-go, though. Did you? Yeah, I always wanted, like, okay. I shipped Leighton from the get-go. I always wanted Lucas to end up with Peyton. But, like, I I did really like Peyton and Jake. And, like, now looking back on it, like, Peyton and Jake should have ended up together. Oh, God, yeah. For sure. Jake was just, like, Mm -hmm. love 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 yes um but yeah like definitely back then i was like oh lucas and peyton i want that for sure Mm -hmm. i'm like i if they hadn't necessarily ended up together a part of it i think was especially because like until this moment really like peyton and lucas had had moments but not really ever had like their chance Mm -hmm. so i really just wanted them to like have a chance and so if they hadn't even ended up together but like had gotten like a fair shake it's kind of like the joy the Zoe and George. Zoe, George, Wade. Yeah. Like, if they had just gotten a chance, I would have been like, okay. I would have been mad, but I would have been like, okay. Hmm. But, like, they ended up together, so it was fine. Yeah. Back then. I never even thought about that parallel. That's interesting. interesting. Yeah, but, like, it just takes – I mean, like, I think it's hard to think of it as a parallel just because, like, at least Lucas and Peyton end up together and, like, you know, have mm-hmm. a good, solid run for a while um, a couple times. So, like, it's hard to make the comparison, but, like – you know yeah so yeah so 
Lucas drops this line on Nathan, which like they do a really good job of tying this episode back to the pilot like multiple times. And yeah. so Lucas is like, well, the night before I joined the team, we battled each other on this court. I guess we're going to be doing the same thing tomorrow. Ugh. Mm. Fun fact, the river court's not there anymore. I know. It's sad. It's sad. It's just a giant patch of grass. But the yeah, same view is there. And it's beautiful. Yeah. I mean, when I go, I have to hit up all the spots. But Yes. It's a must. It's the best. Best. So Skills, we're, we're over in Lucas's bedroom now, and Skills is basically giving Lucas all of the shit for the way he responded to Peyton's I love you, because quite literally Peyton was like, I love you. And he was like, no, I love you too. And she was like, no, no, like, I really love you. And, and he's like, oh. Oh, that was, which is like such a Lucas Scott move. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty bad. But Skills drops some wisdom. And I think I think 18-year-old me at the time was just like, Lucas is so amazing because Peyton's been through so much and he always saves her every time. And Skills pretty much just like repeats that. Skills like maybe you're the one who's confused because you didn't happen to rescue her a few times. He says he's like, you ran into the school that day. Like. Yeah. Which I honestly had never really thought. Like I again, I haven't seen this episode in really a long time. Like I don't think I ever really thought about it that way. That like, yeah, like you said, like back then you're like oh lucas like he rescued peyton again and again and again and again but like lucas put himself in the situation so clearly he always cared for her like very much deep down because he ran into the school again because mm-hmm. peyton was still in there he shows up to peyton's house to save her from psycho Derek. he was not even there like anywhere close to that like lucas cared for peyton a lot i'd like to and, think like, he would have done the same for brooke though yeah, but we just don't know that. Like, we never saw that. Like, that was not the situation. Right. Like, the situation was Peyton was always in trouble, and, like, Lucas put him himself, in, himself in harm's way to go save her. Mm-hmm. And, like, help her. Yeah. So, I don't know. Like, I think I think you could argue Nate, or Lucas would have done that for a lot of people, but, like, we just don't know that. Right. Right. So. That was the other thing 18-year-old me was obsessed with. I was like, Lucas is just such a good guy. Like, completely not paying attention to the times that Brooke would come back from things and be like, why are you in bed with Peyton? Yeah, that's not a good one. Not a good one. Not a good one. But, like, if you, but also, too, like, if you ship Leighton, you're like, yes, I don't care. Well, most people, I think, are like, yes, I don't really care. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So. So we cut over to the school and Haley is tutoring Rachel. Oh, man. The throwback here. Haley's like super annoyed because Rachel's just being a pain in the ass, which is Rachel's M.O. And Haley's like super stressed out. This poor girl. She's still cheering while she's pregnant. Yeah, she's not super pregnant back then. I mean, hell, Sydney Dwyer played soccer until she was like, I don't know, like six or seven months pregnant. That's true. I mean, damn, like, I don't think Haley's nowhere near that pregnant at this point. So at this point, this is when Rachel or Haley's tutoring Rachel and basically Rachel's trying to she notices that Haley has the key that has access to the tests. And Rachel is just kind of like Rachel things. Her her wheels are turning, basically. So, you know, um, side note, you should follow Danielle on Instagram. It's adorable. Do you follow her? No. Yeah. So she and, and she is um, she she went for a hike the other day with her husband and her kids 
and her kids, she has two twins who are about three. And in the video, she's like, she's talking to the, the little girl. Her name is Arrow. And she's like, Arrow, why are we walking today? And after a second, Arrow just stops. She goes, oh, because my mom and dad are just being crazy. It was hilarious. <laughs> yeah. It's weird to see, though, that, like, I mean, she still looks the same. But, like, to see the, you know, like, when I was watching this episode again, having seen, like, more recent pictures of her, I was like, whoa. Like, times, yeah. like, I just like was like, whoa. They're all crazy. completely baby-faced. It's so yeah, funny. it was wild. James Lafferty looks like a child in this episode. He does, but he also, I think, still probably looks this like the most similar. Um, to he looks the most similar now to how he did then. Yeah. Have you seen James Lafferty recently? Yes. The man gets sexier by the day. But like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I think to me, like he's changed the least i can see that um yeah or yeah. maybe stephen coletti honestly every time i see james lafferty whether it's at a con or it's at atx i just kind of find myself staring for a prolonged period of time because like that man is aging very oh. very nicely he's just the best i love james he is he just turned 35 which is just bananas to me because i mean again he was crazy a fetus on the show so crazy yeah yeah so um karen goes to see deb there's like a couple different plot lines working here but karen goes to see deb and this is when deb is like at the height of her pill addiction so karen's just basically like come on get dressed like your son's playing the state championship tonight we're going find what's left of your dignity let's move and just like that we are on the way to the championship so they're on the bus and Skills is talking to Luke and he's just like, there are scouts coming to see me play. Like, this is such a big deal. This is amazing. It's going on. And yeah, that's when Lucas is like, he goes to Peyton and he, or not Peyton. He goes to Nathan and he's like, so you want to tell him what's happening? Like, what? Do you, how do you want those to work? And Nathan's just like, ugh. So, yeah. Um. So Nathan, of course, is, you know, Nathan grows a lot over the course of the show. And so there's still a little bit of him that's kind of smart ass. And he just tells Lucas, he's like, it's one high school game. Like, do you really think it matters if we don't win? And Lucas just says, like, I don't know. Why don't you ask them? <laughs> so meanwhile, the girls are driving separately to the game. And it's it's funny, but also sad because, like, all five of them are fighting right now, except for Bevan. You know, Bevan's yeah, Bevan's Bevan. just Bevan. Yeah, I love Bevan. Uh yeah, it's just funny because, like, they're all super pissed at each other, but they're all still driving to the game. And it's hilarious how Brooke is like, Brooke is like, yeah, we're never going to make it to the game because Haley has to pee. This sucks. And Haley's just like, I'm pregnant. And Brooke's like, no, it sucks because Peyton's here. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. It's pretty funny. So uh, Rachel's like, let's role play. And I mean, it's just, it's hilarious. It's hilarious. Yeah. Just. <laughs> Until. Brooke takes it too far and like makes the comments about both of Peyton's moms and it's just like nah that's not it fam. that's, that's, <laughs> that's too far it. that's too far yeah that's yeah. not it yeah but then we cut to Bevan and she just goes my name's Rachel and I have red hair <laughs> <laughs> Bevan's great Bevan's so good Bevan deserves more respect than we give her mm-hmm yeah I 100% agree with that yeah yeah um, Bevan, by the way, her, her name is actually Bevan. Um, that is her name. And she teaches Soul Cycle now in Los Angeles. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't, I knew she did Soul Cycle. I didn't realize she had moved. I thought she was in New is York. Is she in New York? 
I don't know. I thought she was. Bevan is on one of the coasts teaching Soul Cycle. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but Bevan just, there are so many good moments with Bevan. She just deserves so much more recognition than we give her. Yeah. I mean, like, one of my all time favorite Bevan moments is still the whole, like, when she's with Skills. I think it's the season three and, like, the whole notebook scene. Yeah. Or, like, when they're talking. And like how, and then like when skills can't swim, and like and just like all of those moments, like they're just so good, so good. Lucas is like skills. You're like one of the best swimmers I know, and he's like, yeah, she doesn't know that though. Yeah, because it's Bevan. It's Bevan. I love it so much. I love in season five when she sees Brooke and Owen, and she's like, oh, like Brooke, you married Lucas? I always thought like Lucas was gonna marry Peyton. Hilarious. So good. I love it. I love it. And that the fact that Brooke ended up with Tim. But then, like, didn't they? Bevin. Or Bevin, yeah, Bevin, Bevin ended up with Tim. But then I think they got divorced. Yeah, I think so. But didn't Skills end up with Miss Lauren? I don't remember. You're asking the wrong person. Yeah, I don't remember. It's, it's been a long time, okay? Like, it's been a long time. I need to brush up on my Tree Hill trivia. But, yeah, so they, they make it to the arena. Everybody's in awe. Like, this is a really big deal. And... They're having this like quiet moment and Brooke's just like, so what did what did Lucas say when you said you loved him? And she's just like, oh, like, oh, and Brooke smiles and she's like, wow, what a fucking idiot. <laughs> and um, yeah, so Peyton's just like, you can smile now. And Brooke's just like, why? Like, why would I do that? But, you know, these two, they're in a really weird place. And I don't think they don't really repair what's going on between them until like the end of season five or four or four. Yeah, I was going to say, it's definitely much more towards the end. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Luke tells Skills that Nathan's going to throw the game, and Luke is like, you know, we've got to win this game, like you and me. Um, How realistic is this that two guys can single-handedly win a basketball game? I mean, it's not unrealistic. Okay. I don't know. I just was like, they were like, we're going to freeze out Nathan and we're going to win this game. And I was like, um. Honestly, it's more, I I think the more unrealistic part is like freezing out Nathan. But like, it's not impossible for like just two people to like carry the team on their back. Like that's not impossible. See, I asked Bryna because she's the basketball guru. If this were soccer, I'd be able to like explain, but it's not. So, yeah, they're going to freeze out Nathan. They're going to play the game of their lives. And then Lucas doesn't take his heart meds. Because, again, just a refresher, Lucas has inherited a heart condition from Dan called HCM, where he can only play 15 minutes a night. And he doesn't take his heart meds. Yeah, just face palm. Dang it, Lucas. Shucks. Um, you know how there is that whole series on Funny or Die about, like, Zach Morris's trash? I would pay such good money to see a Lucas Scott version. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah. It would be not as extensive as Zach Morris, but I feel like it would still be really good. Even just one episode. Like, yeah, like, it's, you know, we don't need, like, a whole series or anything. Just, like, one. One little thing. That's all I need. Should we do that? We should do that. That would be funny. Maybe if we ever do, like, a Patreon, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> so, meanwhile, yeah, Lucas doesn't take his heart meds, but Haley's, like, super st- Like, sh- she's really stressed, basically, and they find her on the bathroom floor, and she's in a lot of pain, and she's just miserable. And so the girls take her to the hospital, but she doesn't want the Nathan to know, and they have another iconic moment with the receptionist. Uh, just, yeah. That's another iconic Bevan moment. 
Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> Bitch, slut horse. Thank you. I love it. Bevan. So we do find out that it was just stress, thankfully. And we find out the sex of the baby, which when we asked about everybody's memories of this episode, everybody said they were like Haley finding out the sex of the baby. So that's exciting. It's a boy. Yeah. Yay. I know. Yay. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. So meanwhile, while this is going on, Nathan's been having money troubles. Like we all know that Nathan's been having issues. And he met this guy, Dante, who is played by NBA legend, right? Is he an NBA legend? Uh, I don't know if I'd call him a legend. Former NBA player? Yeah, we'll go with that. Also Dancing with the Stars alum. Yes. And brief stint as an actor, Rick Fox. I'd say it's more than a brief stint. Rick Fox has acted in a lot of stuff. Has he really? I thought he tried acting for like a little bit and then that was it. No, he's acted in like quite a few things. Nice. Like he pops up on a lot of stuff. Every time I hear his name or I see his face, I point to the screen and I'm like, Dante. Every time. Without fail. That's funny. I do not think of him as Dante. Um, I think of him as Rick Fox. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Oh, I just, I love Rick Fox so much. Like, he's like part of like the teams that help make me fall in love with basketball. And I saw him play my first game. The very oh, first game I saw. I really um, should brush up on that. Cause like, that's how I should know him is from the NBA not as Dante. Yeah. Um, but even then too, like if I'm thinking about his acting, I think about there's a different movie he's in that I really like um, a Tyler Perry movie called meet the Browns. And I think of him in that role before I think of him as Dante. I'm like, Oh yeah. He was also in Wintry Hill. Okay. Okay. Like when he was on, he was on Dancing with the Stars after One Tree Hill and the whole time I was like, Dante. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I loved him on Dancing with the Stars too. I was like looking after this episode, after I rewatched this episode, I was like, oh yeah, I kind of want to see him like look up some Rick Fox clips and like his Dancing with Stars stuff pulled up. <laughs> and I was like, oh. I love it. Love, I love it. it. So love it. Love it. Nathan has made, or not even, he hasn't even really made bets, but Dante and his, like, buddy, whoever they are, they've been betting on Ravens basketball games, which, like, you've got to not have a lot of stuff going on in your life if you're betting on high school basketball. Well, like, what I don't understand with this bet, why didn't they just bet on the Ravens to win and tell Nathan to win? Like, what was such a big deal about Nathan losing the game? I think the odds were in favor of Pontiac. Oh, I don't know. I don't really know how betting works, but it just, like, was one of those things where it's, like, why couldn't have everybody have won? Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Yeah. Um, so Pontiac, like by the way, like... Pontiac was Mark Schwann's high school, which you, the only way you find that out is yeah. in the DVD commentary. With the DVD commentary, which I have not watched in over 10 years, but I still somehow remember. I don't know. There's a lot of <laughs> I don't know if I've ever watched any of the DVD commentary. Listen, back back in my day, since I'm older than you, um, back before Amazon and streaming. <laughs> I hey, I have seasons one through five, one through six on DVD. Thank you very much. That's how I, I started watching it. Mm. And All then right. it was like on streaming, and like I caught up, and you know, then we were kind of current. So like, then I was watching it. But yes, no, I have seasons one through at least five. Okay. I don't know if I can't remember I, five, six or not. All right, but, yeah. all right. I stand corrected. I just, I've never watched the commentary, but I have them on DVD. <laughs> I've been a nerd since I was a teenager, so now we know. <sighs> yeah. Um, so, 
Yeah, basically, Dan and Rick are, not Rick, Dan and Dante. Dan and Dante are talking, and Dan's like, thanks to you, Nathan's going to carry the shame of this with him for the rest of his life. And Dante's like, maybe you should have helped him out when he needed it. But also, like, did Dante just have a point? Yes. Dante's very, Dante, is like, for Dante being such a terrible character, he makes a couple of true points in this episode where I'm just like, yeah, that was the truth. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. That, you spoke the truth in that. Yeah. Yeah, you were kind of right there. Kind of funny how that works. Yeah. So the game tips off. And this, I mean, this is like quintessential One Tree Hill is these these game sequences and all the things that are happening. And these game sequences, I mean, from what I remember, like reading and watching and seeing is that they would take like 10, 12 hours to shoot. And it was hard. Well, and I love to like... It very much felt like a high school, like, championship game, you know, like, obviously in the bigger arena, like, the college arena, and, you know, like, it just felt very real. Like, I was taken back to the time, the one time in seventh grade where our team, when I was on the basketball team, and we made it to the, like, conference championships or whatever, and we got to go play at, like, a college, like, stadium arena or whatever, and it was just like, wow. Like, it felt very I mean... We didn't have nearly as many people at that place. Right. But still, like, it was just one of those things where, it, like, it felt very real. And I, I like, oh. loved the shot of Whitey when he was in the office and, like, the, the bits of the ceiling were, like, falling on the desk. Yeah. Such a good detail. So good. I loved it. So good. But, yeah, these basketball sequences are just, like, fantastic. And I I remember a story from a con, and I don't, I don't remember if it was this particular episode or if it was another episode, but... You know, it's it's pretty big knowledge, or not big, it's pretty well-known knowledge that, like, Chad Michael Murray, when the show was being shot, was not a very nice person. He was a completely different person from the person he is now. You'll hear that from all of the locals. You'll hear that from, you know, cast. They'll tell you stories of that day. And there was an episode, I just remember the story that Chad could not sync the shot for the life of him. And, like, all of, it might have been this episode, I can't remember, but there was an episode where Chad just could not sync the shot and like the the audience extras were getting kind of restless everybody was getting kind of antsy and he missed the shot for like the 25th time and just got like so fed up that he just like dropped the basketball like stood in the center of the court and just like flipped everybody off and when he yeah when he told the story all of us cracked up and thought it was hilarious so i mean that just shows you that you know it's been x amount of years but chad was not the natural basketball player james was the basketball player i just remember that like chad had to learn a lot do you know, I'm assuming they shot this at NC State. I'm assuming. Ooh, that's a good question. I don't know. Um, I know for, that's in, that, that I think is in the DVD commentary. Yeah, I, I don't remember, actually. I, I need a, that's a piece of One Tree Hill trivia. I don't know. I would assume so, just because it's, like, not necessarily far from Wellington, but I don't know. Where is NC State? Raleigh. Okay. Cool. So. Hmm, cool. So... Yeah, the game tips off, all of that's happening, and Peyton, basically, Peyton and Brooke are having this conversation still, and Peyton's like, yeah, you shouldn't have been surprised by Lucas saying, oh, like, I asked him once who he wants standing next to him and all of his dreams come true, he said you. And Brooke's just like, okay, cool, whatever. I don't remember, did that act, did we see that happen? I don't remember that. I don't remember it either. Okay, good. (laughs) But it might have happened. I feel like it happened. I don't remember. Maybe it was early season four. Because, I mean, early season four is when Brooke and Lucas break up. 
sure, whatever you say. <laughs> I just remember Brooke walking into the hospital in like that gown and just looking like amazing and being like, listen, Luke, I don't care that you just jumped in the river. Like we're done. Whatever. Uh, yeah, sure. Whatever you say. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, we get to halftime and, you know, they're freezing out, Nathan. It's not going great, but it's happening. And Whitey just spews this wisdom and he's just like, the rest of your life is a long time. Like, if you lose, you lose, but don't lose this way. Playing selfish, bickering with each other on the court, like, it will stay with you. Yeah. Because what had happened before this was that Nathan and Skill started arguing and like pushing each other on the court. Yeah, not good. Not that good. happened at a soccer game I was at one time. Um, you know, the, the major league soccer team that I support. Um, yeah, two of our guys like had a, a, a they like shoved each other in the middle of the game. We were like, what? Yeah, it was weird. It was awkward. That's weird. I yeah. can't imagine that. We were all sitting there. And we were like, yeah, that's why we're not going to playoffs right there, right there. And then one of the players got essentially like traded over the offseason. So that's how that ended. It was weird. So if that ever happens to you at a sporting event, just know it's awkward. <laughs> so, uh, Brian, take it a little bit from here because I imagine everybody's sick of hearing me talk. Yeah. So basically, halftime's over. Nathan sees Haley in the tunnel, like as they're coming out. And they have this like really kind of nice. I mean, amazing, heart to heart. And Nathan asks her, he's like, you know, if I don't go to Duke, like, if I don't pay, play college ball, like, if today is the best it's ever going to get for me, like, will it be enough? And Haley's just like, of course it will. Like, you know, it doesn't really matter to me, and it doesn't matter to your son either. And that's how she tells him that they're having a boy. And he's like, wait, what? And it's just, like, oh, amazing. Uh, yeah. It's really But sweet. hearing that is what changes his attitude towards the game. Like, I think he had already kind of, hearing Whitey talk, had, like, kind of already started the wheels turning in his head. But, like, hearing that is, like, what really made him, like, change his attitude. And so then he comes out of the gate strong. And Nathan's, like, making all these shots and, you know, just having an incredible game. Um, And, like, the Ravens start catching up. Um, We also see, like, a scene in the middle of this, like, montage of stuff and, like, of Karen having dropped Deb off at a rehab facility. Um, because like you said, it's in the height of Deb's pill addiction, but that's just like a quick moment. And then we go back to the game and Dante of course is pissed because the Ravens are supposed to be losing so he can get his money. Um, so basically we're at the end of the game. The Ravens are down by two with 23 seconds left and Malf has this just like, you know, Malf is calling the game and he has this amazing like voiceover moment and he says, you know, say what you will Say what you will about the ravages of sport in this corporate age where overpaid athletes expect prima donna treatment, but there's still something so unifying about sport in its purest form. When athletes rise above themselves and touch greatness, and in doing so, remind us all that we also have greatness inside of us. It's just like, there are just some moments and some quotes sometimes where I'm like, wow. Like, that's what made this show to me in a lot of ways. It really is. This was a moment that I, I, I heard him say this, and I was like, I miss sports. Yeah. Means, but yeah, no, you're you're uh, dead on. There are a lot of quotes that are just bigger than the show that just stick with you, and I think that's a big part of the magic of this show that has kept it going strong for all these years. Yeah. So then we get down to the last play of the game, and basically Nathan has the ball. He looks at Dante before he kicks it out the skills, who then passes it back to Nathan, who ultimately passes it to Lucas for the three pointer. And like you were talking about, you told the story about how that went for Chad Michael Murray in real life. But, and, like, he ends, Lucas ends up making the three-pointer, and 
they win. Ravens win. Ravens win. As Mal keeps saying as he runs and leaves the microphone, he's just like, Ravens win. Ravens win. Ravens win. I still get the chills every time I see that moment. Just every single time. I'm just like, oh, it's so good. It's a great moment. And like cinematically too. Like it's just... It's really great. Oh, my God. I know. And, like, the slow motion of it. And in the DVD commentary, I don't know how I still remember this, but um, Chad says that, like, they shot it both ways. So, like, they shot a version where he sank the shot, and then they shot a version where he missed it. And so the extras had no idea which one they were going to go with. I love that. I love it, too. Um, So, basically, everyone's celebrating, like, Bevan and Skills, Gigi Mouth, Nathan and Haley. And, like, we even see this moment, too, where, like, Dan Scott looks really proud of Nathan and, like, what he's accomplished. Because Dan's, I mean, like, Lucas and Skills know about Dante, but, like, Dan's really the one who's, like, in the thick of it with Nathan. Um, And so he, like, has this moment where he looks really proud of Nathan, but then he looks over at Dante. And, like, you can see it in his face. Like, you can see the emotions change. Like, he goes from proud to, like, scared for his son. um, Because he doesn't really know how Dante's going to react. And it's just, like, wow. Dan is such a mixed bag. He really is, though. Like, I have moments where I, like, really hate Dan. But then I also have moments where I'm, like... Like, there are, I think, honestly, some of the moments that stick with me the most about this show, and especially how I reacted to them in the moment when I was watching them for the first time, are mostly Dan moments. Yeah. Like, I think about at the end of season four when Dan tries to kill himself and how I reacted to that moment. I can vividly remember like full-on sobbing when Dan brings back Jamie after Jamie's been kidnapped and like the look on everyone else's faces when they see Dan walk in the house and yeah. like because it was like 2 a.m for me because I was binging it at that point so I was watching it at like 2 a.m and I was like full-on sobbing I was just like oh my gosh and I was just like sobbing but like every moment that I have like a remember having a vivid reaction towards I think has some kind of Dan moment attached to it and then obviously I mean 316 this you know I like I I, t- I always seem to compare Dan to Professor Snape but the difference there is that I mean Snape was a villain the entire time but then you find out that he was good sorta like uh, you're making a reference I don't get. So. I know, I know. But yeah, like there was some there was some messed up stuff with Snape. But I feel like the bad things that Dan did completely outweigh any of the good. Like it, it just he he died protecting Nathan. Okay, great. Point taken. Great. Bonded with his grandson, got him back from Nanny Carey. Okay, like whatever. That's fine. But the all the other bad weird shit he did in the other seasons are just it's too much to make me think, "Oh, he's a good person." Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. I just think Dan, whether you loved him or hated him, Dan had some of the most iconic moments of the show. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it just really in that way resonates. And like I like I said, I can just remember all those like big iconic Dan moments and like where I was and how I was feeling when I watched them. And like very seldom for some of the other big moments do I remember that. But right. like all the Dan ones seem to just stick with me for some reason. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so yeah anyway so we're still celebrating brooke finds lucas and asks him the same question that's been going around like who do you want standing next to you like when all your dreams come true and he thinks about it for a second and then brooke's just like go and like you know they just really have you know nice little moment 
And Lucas goes to tell Peyton that it's actually her that, like, he wants next to him when it's all his dreams come true. He's like, it's you, Peyton. Like, which is iconic. Like, an iconic line. My heart. My heart. And this is one of those music moments, too. That song that plays, it's called Heartbeats by Jose Gonzalez. That song, to me, is completely sacred, okay? Other shows have tried to use it, and it makes me mad every time, because I'm like, that is Lucas and Peyton's song. How dare you? Yeah. I mean, Wonder Hill is full of many great music moments, but this one's a really good one. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It's quality. Um, Veronica Mars used that song once, I think. And uh, A Million Little Things used it in their promos. And I kid you not, every time I hear that song, I perk up and I'm like, what? Where? Because it makes me think of this moment. It's just beautiful and perfect. And, you know, Peyton's been through a lot of shit at this point. She really has. She really has. Um. So after the game, Dan goes to see Dante and tries to, like, make a deal with him or whatever. Um, and Dan's like, you know, I'm no, I'm not, I'm not an idiot. Like you have people, I know you have people to answer to. He's like, but you built your plan on the shoulders of a kid with a dream. Like can't blame him for going a little weak in the knees. And Dante's just like, I didn't pick Nathan because he was the star of the team. I picked him because he was Dan Scott's son. Turns out the kid actually has a soul. And I was just like, yep. Dante where again. Is the tr- where is the like lie in this? Yeah. Yeah. There, there is no lie. I, I, I never really realized that, that Dante was just kind of like, yeah, he was horrible, but also, like, spewed some truth. Yeah, in this particular moment, at least, or mm-hmm. moments, at least. Yeah. Um, so there's an after-party celebration at Karen's, um, and we see just, like, a couple different things. So, like, Nathan tells Lucas that he'll just basically take whatever Dante throws at him, um, but they've kind of made up because, you know, Nathan actually came out in the second half and tried to win. Um. And as it turns out, Rachel actually doesn't have issues with calculus, like, you know, we all thought when she needed tutoring from Haley. Um, it's really Brooke who is failing calculus and, you know, probably not going to graduate if she doesn't turn it around. Uh, but Rachel basically, you know, Rachel and her plans, she was just getting tutored so that she could basically steal Haley's key for Brooke and they could go steal the tests. Do you remember if Brooke uses the test? I don't remember. I don't remember either. I don't remember. I just really, all I remember about that scene, honestly, is then we get Chase. And we do we get, get Chase. Um, can I tell a quick story about the Lucas and Peyton scene, going back to that real fast? Yeah, of course. So, okay, so so I was at a con. I've been I've been to a bunch of One Tree Hill cons. Like, I kind of lose track. I was at a con one year, and um, I they were put on by Icon at first. And um, Icon's main host is this guy named Josh, and he does a great job. But basically, the morning of the con is all photo ops. And so you sit in this big room, and you're just kind of chilling, and you're just waiting to be called for your certain photo ops. And so they played reruns this particular year. They played old episodes. And so uh, they're playing this episode, and we're all in there. And we get to this scene with Lucas and Peyton and everything just comes to a hush because everybody stops what they're doing. Like no matter what we were doing, if we were like in line for food at the vendor stand, everybody just stopped. And so Lucas is about to be like, Peyton, it's you. And when that happens, Josh comes out on the mic and it's like, okay, who's ready for? And I'm not even kidding you. Everybody in that room just goes, shut up, stop it, be quiet. <laughs> That's so fun. And Josh was like, oh, God. And we just kind of let the scene play out. And then he got back on the mic. It was hilarious. Very, very funny moment. But also, like, that scene is sacred. That's really funny. It's a great. But great. speaking of Lucas, um, 
at Karen's. They, like, make it official that, you know, they're exclusive. They're not seeing other people. Whatever. Um, and then Lucas and Dan also have, like, a little bonding moment. Which, like, I forgot that season four, the back half of season four is when, like, Dan starts cozying up to Karen. And, like, I, I just forgot about all that. And I was like, oh, no, no. Why are we doing this? Why? No. Dan is so no. toxic, though. He's only doing it because he's lonely. Right, and because, you know, Keith isn't here and blah, blah, blah. It's just like, ugh, Yeah, and he's, he's feeling guilty. And then, like, he's totally manipulating Lucas because every time he does this and wants to, like, creep back in and be like, let's bond, of course Lucas is going to take it. This is his father. Right. And well, and then, like, too, they, I don't remember the exact line, but Lucas says something about, like, this is nice. And Dan's like, what, whatever, or, like, you know, having the moment with your dad. And Lucas is like, well, both. And it's just like, ugh, why? No. I know. Yeah. But so then basically the last kind of stuff of the episode. So Haley and Nathan leave Karen's when all of a sudden Dante's car starts coming towards them. And Haley pushes Nathan out of the way. So Dante's car ends up hitting her. She goes over the hood, like on top of the car and then onto the road. And it's violent. Nathan. Yeah, and Nathan, of course, is, like, freaking out. Dante ends up crashing himself. But Nathan's, like, so freaked out. And Lucas comes in running out of Karen. So Lucas is with Haley. Nathan ends up going over to where Dante's car crashed, pulls Dante out of the car, and starts punching him. And then all of a sudden, Dan comes over to them. And he's like, you killed him, son. And But Dan is still willing to take the blame. And he's like, Haley needs you, Nathan. Like, your child needs you. Like, you should go. So Nathan goes back to Haley. Well, Dan punches the side or the ground so that it looks like he's the one that just punched Dante. Um, but Haley's still, you know, the medics come. They're looking at Haley and Lucas is like talking to them. He's like, they ask him, they're like, what's her name? And he's like, Haley. And then all of a sudden, Lucas ends up passing out right next to Haley. Oh, because, of course, he didn't take his heart medication. So that's where we're at with this. You should have taken and your meds, Lucas. Damn it. Yeah. And so basically we end up going back to the beginning scenes of the episode where that radio announcer that we heard in the beginning of the episode, um, you like kind of see that fleshed out a little bit more. And as it turns out, the beginning wasn't really as much of like an alternate universe as I kind of thought it. I kind of forgot that it was as much as it was like a foreshadow like everything that was going to happen at the end of this episode and you see like nathan crying in the hospital and you see like the little bit of blood on his sleeve and then you see like peyton in her room crying but it's not because of lucas you know having a bad reaction to her i love you it's because you hear brooke tell her that like nathan or Haley and lucas are both in the hospital and you see whitey kind of have a breakdown on the street and like it's not because they lost the game like they kind of try to fake you out with it's because you know, he, like, you see all the destruction, like, you see, like, the car crashes and all that. Like, you just see all him taking all of that end to, like, yeah, it's a wild end to the episode. Oh, oh, my God. This episode still kills me all these years later. Just, yeah, it's so good. And I don't remember, but isn't it true? Nathan doesn't kill Dante, right? Like, Dante was dead. No, Dante was already dead. Crash. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny. It's something I realize now is that Dan was willing to take the blame probably out of guilt. He probably did feel really guilty for not helping Nathan out and, you know, basically giving Nathan the runaround. He felt guilty. And that's probably why he took the blame. 
Well, I think he felt guilty too because I mean he essentially just did the same thing like you know with Keith. I mean like he killed his brother and like he didn't want Nathan if Nathan had in fact killed Dante mm-hmm. like he didn't want Nathan to suffer you know kind of the same way that he did. I feel like I we never really asked the question like why Dan was the way he was. He was power I feel hungry. Like that's a complicated question. It's to uh, yeah. Answer. No, it's a super complicated question. But, yeah. Man. The other thing that's Uh, worth mentioning about this... Oh, go ahead, go ahead. No, yeah, go ahead. Well, okay, the other thing I want to mention about this episode is that it's not necessarily this episode that packs the emotional punch for me. I mean, it does in terms of feelings with, like, Lucas and Peyton. The episode that packs the big punch is the one after this, 410, which is the um, It's a Wonderful Life episode. Oh, Yeah. I usually skip that one. <gasps> that Okay, that's my, like, that is my pick-me-up, like, pull-me-out-of-the-dark-place episode. It, I just really don't like kind of, like, it's, you know, like, wonderful lifestyle, like, you know, episodes. Or, like, episodes where TV shows try to do, like, you know, like, essentially, like, the ghost of Christmas past, present, future thing. Like, I just don't like those kind of episodes i I mean they they didn't really camp out on it's a wonderful life they just showed the scenes and then like keith was there to be the one to like guide lucas through everything and that episode that is the episode i watch when i'm like you know just upset and like down in the dumps and that episode actually is like um it helped me through like a really hard time in 2015 like i was getting ready for like a major surgery and i was scared out of my mind and that was the episode i would watch when i couldn't sleep at like two o'clock in the morning and like cry so that is the big episode for me, just because Keith says so many just like prolific things that are just so deep and that relatable, right? Like the big quote he says is when they're talking on the bridge and Lucas is like, so it was you who got Nathan out. And he's like, no, no, it was all him. And he looks at Lucas and he just goes, some people are stronger than they know. They just forget to believe in it sometimes. And that was that's the quote that like at two in the morning, I'd be like, Aah. yeah. That's that's the big one for me. I mean, this episode is, you know, iconic, of course, but that's the episode that packs the gut punch for me. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's been a while since I've watched that episode, but I did always like how they found ways to bring Keith back. Yeah. That, like, made sense. It did. Somewhat. Somewhat. But, yeah. I will say, though, when I was rewatching this episode earlier, I, you know, it's it's been a long time since I've watched One Tree Hill. I mean, you know. Behind the scenes stuff and other stuff that's gone on, it makes it like not as easy to watch the show as it used to be. I still do, though. Don't get me wrong. But I definitely had a moment where I was watching this earlier, just sitting there watching the episode. And I was like, God, it's absolutely criminal that Keith is not in this episode. And then I was like, oh, yeah, Keith's dead. Got it. (laughs) Like, totally forgot. Yeah. Yeah, he's definitely dead. Yeah. He would have been there, though, if he wasn't dead. Yeah. Yeah. God, this show just there's so much more to unpack Um, yeah i was just about to say like are there any other like characters or storylines that you think we should like touch on briefly all of them um (laughs) i will say again the music in these episodes is just like a plus plus so there's a ray lamontaine song that plays when Haley gets hit by the car called lessons learned and again every time i hear it i'm just like oh god i'm like it's the same as anytime i hear a snow patrol song and i'm like something terrible is about to happen like yeah yeah that's how i am with that song i'm just like oh this is the song that played when Haley got hit by the car Uh, yeah um, speaking of Haley, I feel like we didn't talk enough about Haley and Nathan and like how much I just love them. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. Naley. Oh, yes. Please, please get us started on Naley. I just love them so much. Like, that was the reason I stuck with this show. And, like, honestly, <laughs> so I watched, I remember watching seasons one through six. And then I want to say seven had, seven was definitely like had already aired, but I can't remember if eight and nine had aired yet or maybe eight was airing. I don't remember, but I just remember I was watching seven on like Netflix or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I like started the first bit and it like, they kind of set it up where it looks like maybe Nathan's like cheating on Haley again. And I was like, Nope, I'm done with this. I can't do it anymore. Nathan wouldn't do this. Yeah. And I like stopped watching show for a really long time because i was like if nathan and Haley are gonna be together or something's gonna happen between them i don't want anything to do with this show like at all what what did you think of clay and quinn when they came along they're fine they're fine (laughs) i i tell i'll tell i'll say i i quickly warmed up to clay thanks to that whole storyline in the beginning of season seven because when he sat renee down and was like this is your payout you're gonna shut your mouth and you're not gonna say anything ever again like you're not gonna mess with nathan scott i was like oh he can stay i just i tend to think of robert buckley from like a bunch of other stuff first before i think of him from one tree hill okay and so i just like to me i'm like yeah he's clay that's cool (laughs) and like i'm like oh yeah chantel like okay Quint, like it's fine um but also too like i feel like clay is honestly ruined because of the kid thing what i hated that storyline not because he had a kid but because he forgot his kid but he didn't forget his kid out of like he forgot the kid out of psychological trauma i know but still like it just i don't know that's funny. That's really funny. It's just so ridiculous to me. Like, so ridiculous. I mean, it's not, I mean, it is, it's not, I don't want to take, I don't want to say that someone's psychological trauma is ridiculous, but like, it's just wild. <laughs> See, okay, my, my deal with Naley, and, and I mean, when you look at my top 10 list of all my ships, I am all for the couples who are like, right from the get go, you know, they're meant to be together. Like they are soulmates right from the get go. But Naley just don't crack my top 10 list. I mean, they're great. Don't get me wrong, I just don't feel about them the same way I do about Lucas and Peyton, which is just dumb because Lucas is trash. But still. Is Lucas, are Lucas and Peyton still in your top 10? Yes, actually. Yes, because of Adam Nostalgia. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah, like pure, pure nostalgia. Because adult me is just like, God, Lucas was the worst and Peyton should have run away with Jake. That's fair. Um, but no, I was just all in on, like, Nathan and Haley fit so much of what I, like, the tropes that I love. Like, obviously, like, jock and nerd, but, like, I, you know, I just, I, I love, like, bad boy, good girl. Like, I just, I love Nathan and Haley so much. And I just always have been, like, if, if I'm rewatching Winter Hill, I'm probably rewatching some good Naley stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's I mean, go. there are a lot of good Naley moments. The bracelet and i just i love like nathan was always just my favorite like i loved i think nathan had like some of the best character development like i just thought like we talked about kind of briefly a little bit earlier like nathan just grew so much over the course of the show and i just i loved every second of it he really did yeah he really had a big arc he and brooke had the biggest arcs and like the yeah. biggest growth over nine seasons yeah i definitely agree but i was just always partial to nathan but yeah 
But it's also too why like I love Naley so much. I barely I really can't tell you the last time I rewatched season two besides like the first like two or three episodes. I don't touch season two. But do you think two is worse than five for Naley? Two. There's at least moments in five where like more moments in five when they're like happy. Um, I think five hurts in a different way, but two, I just literally don't touch two like ever. <laughs> I don't watch it. I think because two, two was the first heartbreak when it came to Naley and like it destroyed them so much. And like, they didn't almost come back from that. Whereas like, at least with five, they were married. Like they weren't going to just give up on each other without a fight. Whereas like, Two, they were they they were kind of destroyed by what happened in two. See, I it made for some great coming back. Like season, I think that's part of the reason why I love season three so much is like seeing them fall in love again. Mm-hmm. But like, they almost didn't come back from that. That's true, and for some reason, I just hate five more than I hate two. But I think I hate five so much because I mean they are at each other's throats. Well, and I think two. I can handle five, at least when it comes to, like, the infidelity part, because, like, Nathan really never had feelings for Nanny Carrie. Carrie was just, like, Nanny Carrie and was trying to, you know, stir up some drama. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she was loco. Um, whereas, like, there was, I mean, like, Haley definitely felt something for Chris in that, in, like, those, in, like, those season two stuff. Yeah. And so I think that hurt more. Yeah. Whereas, like, Nanny Carrie, like, yeah, they kissed. Okay, whatever. But, like, and, yeah, she ended up kidnapping Jamie. And, like, yeah, the, like, the hurt was still there, but it wasn't because of other people. Mm-hmm. I and see I that. think that's why, like, I, that's why season two to me hurts a little bit more. Is because, like, no, there was, like, a little bit of a, I mean, there was, like, a legit, like, love triangle thing happening there for a hot second and i never really viewed chris keller as a threat i need to go back and watch I, that no, i don't i don't watch season i will watch the first couple episodes i don't watch the rest of it uh it's like it's i mean it's not as bad as season two of friday night lights which i've ne- really never gone to watch back and like <laughs> that's just silly and t- not good refresh but... my memory though what happened in season two of friday night lights um tyra and landry and the killing yeah. there's like a murder thing like that i'm just good. like no that's just bad that wasn't even writer strike season was it wasn't that season three i don't remember yeah i think three might have been writer strike i don't remember <laughs> yeah yep i don't remember but yeah so it's not as bad as friday night light season two but still <laughs> it's not great it's funny that's funny. Yeah, it's just funny now that I look back on, like, my teenage memories, and I'm like, yeah, I hated this season more than that season. And then I'm like, I need to review those with adult eyes. Does seeing – okay, I'm curious. Now that you've met most of them in, mm-hmm. like, your adult years, does having met them change the way you, like, watch the show? Having met them does not – um, it's more the behind the scenes stuff that has come to light that has influenced right. some things. Um, I was just curious. Cause like, obviously I think partially like having met literally basically all of the current one Chicago cast has like not 
dramatically, but it's definitely changed the way I see it a little bit. And mm-hmm. so I was just curious if it changed the way you see One Tree Hill. I don't think it has. The first time, my very, very first con, I mean, it definitely was very impactful because I was just and it was I think it was more so seeing Wilmington and seeing the places in person than it was meeting Chad and Hillary because that was my, my very first con. I only did the latent photo op and um, it was it was more impactful for me to see Wilmington and be like, I, I've stood there. I've seen this. I've been there than than meeting them. So, no, that hasn't changed it. It's more any behind the scenes stuff that comes out that makes it kind of, you know. But you've met most of them, right? I have. Yeah, I've met most of them. Um, I mean, I think we're down to just like really, really minor characters I haven't met now. Because the last con I went to in February of this year before everything broke loose, um, I met a lot of people I hadn't met yet. So Moira, Craig, uh, Barbara Allen Woods, Jana Kramer. Um, Yeah, I've met a lot of them, actually. I'm lucky. Yeah. So, Yeah. Oh, God, I mean, there's just like what there's just so much more like um, Brooke and Julian. What did you think? They're great. I mean, I like Brooke and Julian a lot. I think I think it was just finally time that like Brooke got the happiness she deserved. Yeah. But it's also hard for me too. like, I don't know, like, I can't say I'm like a hardcore Brooke and Julian person only because I really don't really go back and watch seven, eight, nine. Right. Like, I rarely go back and watch it. So, but, yeah. Yeah, I do like Brooke and Julian. I'm with you, though. I, I'm I'm just happy that Brooke got the happy ending. Like, that's why I was like, okay, Julian's cool. He's he's making Brooke happy. So, there, oh, season eight is by far my least favorite season of the show, by far. But the one good episode of season eight is the one when um, Brooke and Julian have a fight, and then she, like, is in the car that goes off the bridge, and all that stuff. That is a good episode. Isn't season eight when they get married maybe yes i think like towards the end of season eight yeah i think so okay i still i'm still not crazy about eight that's also the season that um chuck sings whatever song it was for uh chase and it's actually quite adorable there were some good moments in eight just not a ton of them oh chase i know love me some Stephen coletti chase yeah. One of the nicest people I've ever met. For real, though. Like, really, yeah. Really, really nice. Yeah. Still one of my favorite interviews of all time. James and Steven together. Those two are just, like, two peas in a pod. Yeah. Well, I'm, like, spending 15 minutes just by myself with, like, both of them. It's a great moment of my life. <laughs> great moment it was really really fun yeah so if you're not if you're not familiar with um what they're doing now james and steven have been self-producing self-shooting self-everything really they've been making this series called everyone is doing great and it's actually really funny yeah it's we i've seen what two episodes two episodes yeah yeah it's really good it's really really good yeah yeah so um that, yeah, that's what they're up to. Um, I mean, Chad's acting still. Hillary's obviously. Chad's like a Hallmark star. Yes, like which crazy. is like the best outcome possible. I just like, I kind of wish that for every actor. I like stand at this point. I'm just like, I wish for you a nice, stable career of being a Hallmark Christmas movie star. Like, it does not get any more pure and wholesome than that. I know. Like, I love 
Like, that's some of my favorite. I'm like, oh, yeah, Luke McFarlane, like, became a Hallmark movie actor. Like, love it. Like, just love, 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 love. I mean, it's just so wholesome, right? Like, yeah, you you go to work in July and you make believe it's Christmas, but also, like, you get you basically work and pretend that everything's happy and snowy and festive. Well, and I still love, like, Chad's probably in one of my, I love the one that he was in with Jesse Schramm from 2018, The Road oh, to Christmas. Yeah, yeah. I love that one. Mm-hmm. So good. Oh, it's just so but good. Chad just said, like, I don't know, like, it's honestly funny for me to think about Chad Michael Murray because Chad, to me, isn't even as much like Lucas as he is. Like, he was just in some iconic, like, childhood movies for me. Yeah. Like, Cinderella Story. Friday like those came out when I was like you know in like my prime time as a childhood and I was just like I loved him in both of those yeah loved him and those and so, it's just it's like the nostalgia factor now seeing Chad you're always just like oh Chad mm. yeah I but like I honestly I think I probably think of him a little bit more as like Austin Ames than I do Lucas Scott Oh no, he will forever be Lucas Scott to me. I didn't. I was I was slightly too young for Dawson's, um, and I didn't watch Gilmore Girls until like years ago. I, I binged Gilmore Girls. Yeah, I forgot he was on Gilmore Girls too. Wait, yeah. was he on Dawson's? He was. He was actually, actually, Hillary guest starred in an episode as Hillary, like the MTV VJ that she was, and like there is legit a scene with Chad Michael Murray's character and Hillary, and it's like Lucas and Peyton meeting before they actually met. That's hysterical. Yeah. I've never seen Dawson, so I didn't know that. But, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he was on Dawson's, oh. and then I binged Gilmore I Girls. I forgot about Lucas. Him. Yeah, I forgot about him on Gilmore Girls. Mm-hmm. But, like, then they also, too, like, they couldn't get it back for the revival, which I thought was silly. Like, I thought their, like, fake Tristan was just, like, so weird, too. I was like, yeah. okay. That, and he was, like, like, the only one they couldn't get back. Right. Or, like, did they not even try? Like, what was the point? I, I don't, don't know. I don't, I don't know. Well, I don't know. That's funny. That's so funny. Anyway. Yeah, I mean, everybody else is doing, you know, all sorts of things now. Um, well, and, like, we haven't even mentioned the fact that Joy and Sophia and Hillary are starting a One Tree Hill podcast. Yes, I almost forgot about that. Oh, my God. Yes, that is happening. Tell everybody a little bit more about that, because if I do, it's just going to come out of screens. I don't really know much more than that, other than they're coming out of the podcast this fall. I am not like even mad about this whole trend of rewatch podcasts. Honestly, I think it just depends on how they like frame it. And some people are better than others, mm-hmm. but like, I really have enjoyed them. And there are some that I listen to, like, well, really, I think there's only two that I listen to like regularly, but yeah, I will definitely listen to that one. And I haven't yet listened to um, the Zach, uh, the Mark Paul Gossler one is a thing that came out yesterday and I haven't listened to it yet did it okay yeah I'm gonna have to go back and look for that one but um I listened a little bit to the one that Zach Braff and Donald Faison are doing uh, about scrubs um they there are some really like poignant episodes in season one of that show and I've only really listened for those I haven't listened for the other ones yet but they've had guests on so like Scott Foley was on an episode um yeah yeah Tom Cavanaugh was on an episode and so um, I listened to that one a little bit here and there but that one I definitely will tune in yeah, I only listened to I listened to the new Entourage one religiously that Doug Ellen and Kevin Dillon and Kevin Connolly are doing. Mm-hmm. I really, really love that one because they haven't even necessarily framed it as like a recap. Like they're still recapping episodes kind of, but it's more just like 
them telling stories in the context of like the episodes and like it's like almost purely all behind the scenes which I kind of love like it's like oh yeah let's talk about this episode but like let's tell all these behind the scenes stories and like they're Doug Ellen who was the creator of Entourage and like he does he hosts this podcast he does a really good job about like pulling things from the episodes and like asking you know like real life questions and like allowing the guys to tell stories based on it's just i i've really enjoyed the way they struck that one that one's really good i also really love the glee one that janoshkowitz and kevin mckill are doing that was okay yeah yeah that's good so but i will definitely check out the sophia hillary and joy one oh hell yeah hell yeah um, James Lafferty is starring in a series called The Right Stuff, which premieres yes. on Disney Plus in August. Uh, the cast on that is it one. August? Uh, is it August or September? I don't remember. It but might actually I'm be really, September. It's like everybody that I love. <laughs> yeah, for real. The cast is just like fire. And the only uh, there's so James is in it. Patrick J. Adams is in it. Colin O'Donohue is in it. And Jake those, Dorman is in it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, isn't James's brother like the showrunner? Oh, really? Is he Stuart? Yeah, I'm pretty sure Stuart's the showrunner. Or Ooh. like very like involved in the show too. I love it. I love it. And I yeah, yeah I'm I'm all in on that one. I mean, you basically you had me at the cast. Like you had me at James Lafferty and Patrick J. Yeah, Adams. I was like, I don't care what it's about. I will hands down watch this. Yeah. Yeah. In. <laughs> so that's gonna be good. But yeah, I, there's just like I feel like we barely even scraped the surface on One Tree Hill, but we could always do another One Tree Hill episode if you guys would like. Yes, we definitely could. I mean, it's, it's you know, it's not like hiatus is ending anytime soon. Seasons one, three, four, five, six, please. <laughs> <laughs> Are we just going to pretend seven, eight, and nine don't exist? No, I use like, I don't pretend they don't exist. I just don't know them as well. And they're not ones that I tend to go back and rewatch. I just don't know them as well. So if I was going to do an episode on it, I would like to be something I'm at least more well versed in. True. That's not that I'm completely versed in One Tree Hill because it's been a long time, Mm -hmm. but I would like it to be something I'm more well versed in. Yeah. Do you have a favorite episode of all time of One Tree Hill? It's a great question. Who? Um, there's, I mean, like, there's a few. Like, I really love the season four finale when, you know, like they're at their like high school party or whatever. Like, I love that episode. Um, the Naley wedding. Um, man, there's just so many good ones. Uh, yeah. Nice. What are your? What's your favorite episode? I have like three or four. So and they're they're like the understated ones. And I think I've mentioned most of them like in the past, you know, however long we've been recording. But the um, my go to's like my go to when I'm just like, let's watch an episode of Wonder Hill. My go to is the one when Brooke goes to Rogue Vogue and the rest of the girls are at the cheerleading competition and it basically just ends in one big dance party. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, that's one of my go to's. The other one is the rain episode also in season three. Um, the so season good. six finale is art, art, and I will watch that because that's a super feel good episode. And um, four ten, the one after the state championship episode. Those those are like my four go tos. Yeah, those are some good ones. Mm-hmm. I be- I like I said, I basically will rewatch anything where there's a significant Naley moment. <laughs> I will watch it. I love it. So. I love it. 
Any other notes about this episode or One Tree Hill as a whole? No, just like... Although I will say, for a show that's about basketball, I would have loved more basketball cameos. Like, thinking, <laughs> I was watching this episode, and I was like, man, Rick Fox, that was great. Where's the other basketball? Like, I'm sure they could have done... I don't know. Um, although I will say, one of my favorite players, he has a podcast. Um, he was basically, like, especially at the time, like, the real-life Nathan Scott at Duke, probably. Yeah. Um, and he was talking about how he was supposed to be on an episode of One Tree Hill and, like, have a whole moment. But, like, scheduling kind of crapped out. They were like, yeah, like, we want you to come to Wilmington on this day. And he was like, yeah, but it's between two game days. Like, I can't do that. Um, it's just literally physically impossible, but That's yeah, a... that was just something I was thinking about. I was like, oh, I wish they'd been more like actual, like basketball cameos. I like, never even thought about that. Like that never crossed my mind in like a bajillion years of the show being around because I'm, I'm trying to think like, even when Nathan had made it to the NBA, they got Jerry Rice in 701 and he was a football player. Right. But that's what I'm saying. Like, so JJ Raddick was the player who was supposed to be, like the cameo who already talked about where he had had a ca- like a cameo lined up and everything mm-hmm. he would have been like the perfect player to cameo because he literally kind of was like nathan scott before i mean you know nathan scott like duke player white guy you know good at basketball like hated you know it was just like all the parallels lined up with like him and nathan um and that would have been like a great cameo but one tree hill you know scheduling can't happen but I yeah i just like it was just one of the things that i was thinking about as i saw rick fox and rick fox didn't even play rick fox he played dante so it was like okay but. remember the brief stint when nathan played slam ball with owen <laughs> yeah oh yeah owen but what a guy owen i liked him actually i like I, I liked him i don't know why but i did but yeah never forget that Owen's fine. Joe Manganiello is part of the One Tree Hill universe. Which is crazy to think about. I know. I know. He really went and blew up after this. Big time. Yeah, he went to True Blood after this, and it was just, like, skyrocketed. Yeah. True Blood. I've never seen it, but... Same. Never seen it. So, I think that's about all we've got. Um, I know we're going to end this call, and both of us are going to be like, we forgot to talk about this! But... I know there's just I mean there's just like you said there's just so much to talk about so so much so um you know where to find us Facebook Twitter Instagram Tumblr it's meet us at Molly's right across the board um you know if you like the show which we really hope you do please 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 if you could take a moment to leave us a rating and review on iTunes we would so 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 greatly appreciate that um, it does help other shy hearts find the show. We have had a couple of new reviews in the past couple of days, and we so greatly appreciate that. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, follow us individually on Twitter. I am at Gina Watches TV, Brenna. I am at Brenna K13. Email us anytime. It's meet us at Molly's at gmail.com. We will respond. We love to talk to you guys. It's so much fun. Um, I feel like I'm like missing stuff. So um, I don't, we don't really know what we're covering next week. We'll figure it out, but uh, we'll let you know when that happens. So in the meantime, everybody have a good weekend. Wear your mask, social distance from your friends. I know it's hard, but we've got to get through it together and take care of yourself and take care of one another and check on your friends and all that good stuff. So everybody have a good weekend. 
We'll see you next week. Bye.